We'd like to thank Noda by M&T Bank for their generous support of this podcast. To learn more, visit TrustNoda.com. Terms and conditions may apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. This is Sharon Nelson, and I'm the host for this episode about ethics and artificial intelligence, which is being recorded from the ABA Tech Show 2021. Joining me now, I have Brigadier General Patrick Houston and Natalie Pierce. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Well, before we get started, please tell us a little bit about yourselves. Where do you work and what do you do? Let's start with you, General Houston. Well, I'm an Army lawyer, and I work in the Pentagon in Washington, D.C. That was succinct. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie, feel free to to expand. Well, Sharon, I have the great privilege of working at Gunderson Detmer, the most active venture law firm globally for now the seventh year in a row. Uh, In 2020, we've represented technology and life science companies in over 1,200 deals representing over $60 billion raised for our clients. And in my capacity as a partner at Gunderson, I chair the labor and employment practice. How's that for elaborating a bit more? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was fabulous. It sounds like a fun job. (laughs) I at least told you where I live and work. Um, I don't don't even know where where Natalie is. Where are you, Natalie? (laughs) I'm in San Francisco. Okay. Well, now that we've got everybody pinpointed on the map, thank you both for joining us. We're here to discuss a subject that all three of us speak on, which is ethical AI. And I had the great pleasure of attending at least half of your presentation yesterday. Um, and, and it was wonderful. And I'm glad that you changed some of the questions I might have asked to include some of what was really important about it. And of course, we know we all have been watching and there's been so many developments with ethical AI in the last two years. What did you focus on mostly in your presentation? And and let's start with you, Natalie. Yeah, well, one of the things that I discussed is the importance of building multidisciplinary AI teams. So first, successful deployment of AI really does require support from the top. C-suite executives or a law firm's top management, right? So one of the most important steps in building a multidisciplinary AI team at the action level is including a cross-section of of different skills. And we've seen this model employed by technology giants such as Google and Microsoft. You know, both, uh, in both those examples, they will pair software development teams, the coders and algorithm writers with AI lawyers and AI ethicists, for example. And this really does allow the lawyers to be involved early on to ensure that the legal issues are addressed in the development process so that lawyers can better understand the technology. And whenever possible, I did also talk about how important it is to include human resources. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a labor and employment lawyer, but but also, you know, these are the individuals that are going to be responsible for talent acquisition and, and people development. And then another critical part of that multidisciplinary team is going to be including data scientists who really understand 
the capabilities of computer learning. Um, one of the most important features, as we know, of AI uh, and something that, that all lawyers really need to understand is, is that this is technology that is learning and evolving and hopefully improving over time so that what you have one week to the next can uh, dramatically change as the data sets are trained. So getting to the issue you know, of, of ethics as we lawyers are assessing liability and other risks, I think we really do need to account for that, uh, the fact that it is ever evolving and in some cases recognize that that really means doing assessments more frequently when we're utilizing these AI systems. And, and finally, I'll just say that the multidisciplinary AI should be guided by basic AI ethics principles. And, and we really, I think in 2019, you saw just an explosion of these developing all over the world, but looking at principles such as transparency and accountability to uh, do things like reduce AI bias and, and other risks. And for just about any type of company that's looking to adopt transformative technologies, including AI, this multidisciplinary AI team building is a great model. Sharon, we, we know that regulations will not keep up with rapidly transforming technologies. So abiding by these principles that are being developed by industries and international organizations alike and having market forces insist that those principles apply to the development and, and deployment of AI tools are really gonna help make these multidisciplinary AI teams very commonplace in any corporate or law firm setting. Well, thank you, Natalie, uh, that's great. And I know the number one complaint I hear is about the C-suite. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but Pat, Patrick, um, one of the things I enjoyed most, uh, I'm sorry, Je General, oh, General, I already screwed that up. General Houston, I was very delighted yesterday to hear you discuss the importance of human machine teaming. Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's so important? I sure can. And I'll try to give you more than a one line answer this time, but I'll actually start by just agreeing with Natalie about the importance of AI team building first and, and foremost. In fact, that is the model that we followed in the Army. We created an AI task force that had technology experts, lawyers, and ethics experts. And then we also developed Pentagon-wide AI ethics principles with input from industry and the public in order to address their concerns. And it's proven to be really helpful in finding effective and ethical AI solutions. Uh, but on to the specific question that you asked, um, that concept of human machine teaming is really my number one tip for any organization that's adopting AI. And let me explain what I mean by that term. We all know that some things are done better by humans than machines. Judgment, common sense, leadership. Uh, but there are other things that machines can do better than humans. Digesting lots of data, fast computations, boring repetitive tasks, and really, the key is to the key to successfully adopting AI is to combine humans and machines in a way that leverages the respective strengths of both. And that is human machine teaming in a nutshell. It's a very simple concept, but what you'll find is that there are some people out there who approach AI with an either-or mentality, as if you have to choose between humans or machines. 
And the truth is that's a false dichotomy. You can have both and you can have the best of both. So that's uh, that's this concept of human machine. Well, thank you. That was one of my favorite tips from uh, your session. And when I write for uh, attorney at work and talk about some of my favorite things at Tech Show, that will appear. <laughs> I think we, we all know that lawyers are increasingly using AI in their practices. General Houston, which ethical duties should lawyers be aware of as they adopt AI? Well, I, I think the one that comes up most commonly is the duty of competence. And you know, we all know that we have that duty, but more particularly, there is a duty of technical competence. We're required to stay abreast of changes in the law, including the benefits and risks associated with relevant technology. That's right out of the model rules. Uh, but I think the, the tougher question is, what does our duty of technical competence mean in the context of AI? And from my perspective, the good news is you don't need to understand exactly how the AI algorithms work. That, that's too much to ask. You simply need to understand the relationship between inputs and outputs. And then we have to be able to help our clients assess the reliability. Uh, let me give you an example. If you're driving your car, you don't need to understand exactly how the electronic fuel injection system works. But you need to know that when you press on the gas pedal, that the car is going to accelerate. That's that cause and effect relationship. And you want to assess the reliability. Of, you know, does it do it every time or just most of the time? Um, so with that in mind, I'd say that there are really two things that lawyers need to know about AI in order to understand its risks and then competently advise our clients in the professional responsibility setting. Number one is we need to know that AI learns and evolves. This is the source of AI's great potential, but also of its risks. And Natalie mentioned this before. What, what an AI system does on Monday may be different than from, from what it does on a Friday. Now, we're hoping that it gets better and it improves as it learns. But as lawyers, we have to make sure that our clients are building in periodic checks and balances to confirm that it's teaching itself in the right direction. Second, we need to understand that the basic components of AI include both the algorithm itself, that's the code or the software piece of it, and then the data. And that data can come in various stages, raw data, tagged data, sorted data. Now, if you're an intellectual property lawyer, this is big in terms of knowing you know, who owns the algorithm, who has licenses for uh, the data at various stages, but most of us aren't IP lawyers. All of us though need to be concerned about the privacy impacts of this. This is big uh, because that data can contain trade secrets, client confidences, or, or personal information that can subject you as lawyers or your clients to significant liability if that data is not adequately protected. So really kind of coming back to your question, I'd say that our duty of technical competence is the most important one, and it requires all of us to stay informed about these basic risks and benefits to the AI. Thank you. Natalie, do you have a, a comment about legal innovation, such as uh, the Utah Sandbox? Just kind of building off of what General Houston was just talking to, I, I do think that we, we have to keep an open mind when it comes to legal innovation. And, and to your example, Sharon, I think that's right. Um, we're seeing some really promising new ideas coming out of places like Utah with the sandbox and in Arizona that challenge the status quo when it comes to traditional ethics rules. Uh, just even looking at what we've been able to do 
in terms of contract review using AI tools. Stanford, and I, I discussed this in our presentation yesterday, but Stanford Law School a while back hosted a competition between human lawyers and AI system. And what they did was review the same contracts with 30 known contract law issues. And the AI system so outperformed the humans, you know, both in accuracy and speed. And I think we have to come to that, you know, we have we have to allow ourselves to embrace this recognition. There are certain tasks that are just better done with the assistance, you know, human augmentation assistance of some of these tools. And this this does go back to General Houston's comment about human machine teaming. So how do we leverage this new technology, but also provide human oversight and checks and balances on the machines uh, to satisfy our ethical obligations to our clients? And, and that's what initiatives such as the Utah uh, Sandbox are really helping uh, ensure happens in the process. Well, I know we'll be watching uh, all those experiments <laughs> very closely. Yes. Natalie, I was very intrigued by the way you tied artificial intelligence to cybersecurity. Can you explain that for our audience? Sure. So everyone understands that a winning strategy needs a strong offense and defense. So as your firm and clients leverage AI to get ahead of the competition, that's going to be your offense. But your defense really needs to be cybersecurity because adopting AI will increase your cyber vulnerabilities uh, from intrusion to data theft to disruption. So even today, you know, unfortunately, far too many law firms and companies don't build in cybersecurity as part of that strategy, and they leave themselves exposed and vulnerable. And what we've seen is that these cyber risks have become even more pronounced as a result of COVID where we're having way more remote workers, you know, distributed workforces with increased reliance on home offices and cloud computing. This has dramatically increased every organization's cyber vulnerabilities, exposed points for cyber criminals and competitors to hack in and steal trade secrets, intellectual property, client confidences, and other sensitive data. Sharon, if I could just say that I agree with Natalie on this point as well. We've seen significant cybersecurity risks ranging from ransomware to cyber espionage, both traditional spying against government targets and corporate espionage against commercial targets, and along with the risk of deep fakes as well, which is a whole nother discussion topic. So yeah, I, I think cybersecurity is very important for AI adoption. Yeah, I, I don't think anybody these days especially would disagree with you with all the headlines we've been reading. <laughs> so for, for both of you, I have one last question. Bill Gates is the ultimate optimist when it comes to AI, and Elon Musk says we're summoning the devil with AI. He sees a dystopian future for us. So are the two of you more like Gates or Musk and why? And, and I'll let you, General Houston, go first. <laughs> Thanks, Sharon. This is an interesting question. I, I'm definitely an optimist, so I'm going to channel my inner Bill Gates here. I see AI's tremendous potential to improve nearly every process that we have out there. Um, 
but, but I'm also a realist. You know, I, I know we can't just go around sprinkling AI pixie dust and, and everything's going to be perfect. There are definitely risks here. We talked about some of them, but you know, if we're careful and we address those risks, we take some of the practical steps that we just discussed, like having the right people on these multidisciplinary AI teams to, to think about these in advance and come up with solutions. Uh, and we team humans and machines in a way that ensure there's appropriate human oversight. Then I believe that the overall benefits of AI will outweigh its risks. And Natalie. <laughs> it's a fun question. Well, I think <laughs> Musk is right. Uh, so, I mean, maybe that makes me more like Musk. Uh, but here's the thing. We should all be very afraid of the type of dystopian future AI gone bad can bring to our civilization as we know it. Um, and, and this is why we really need to continue building the principles into every stage of the design, testing, and deployment of AI into our world sharing. Um, you know, and perhaps Elon Musk gets characterized as a pessimist, but it's he's not just flailing and bailing. That's a term my daughter sometimes uses. She says, don't flail and bail. But he's not doing that, right? He's working on giving us the best shot at uh, working on projects to prolong our civilization, right? If things go bad. So working on things from AI powered autonomous vehicles to rocket ships to neural links. So brain ships to enhance humans, uh, you know, a la when you can't beat them, join them type of strategies. So um, that's my answer. Well, I think it's kind of a funny answer. It would have been mine, too. So I foresee the Netflix series called Robots Breaking Bad. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I'm outnumbered here. I've got uh, two musks. And <laughs> That's right. Exactly. So <laughs> and I am so, so sorry that we have to bring this to a close, but we have reached the uh, end of the road for this episode. And weren't, weren't our guests wonderful, um, very spirited. And, and certainly they both have a point of view that they are not afraid to express. I want to thank General Houston and Natalie Pierce for joining us today. Uh, it it was just a delight. So thank you so much. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and leave us a review in your favorite podcasting app. We'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Uh-huh.